Welcome to All Things Erie from Erie PA. This is Kathy and I'm your host for this week's episode. Episode 46 is about the episode 47 is about the Tobin family and they live in Shaker Heights, Ohio. It's a city in Cuyahoga County, Ohio. It's the inner ring suburb of Cleveland, which abuts the eastern edge of the city limits. It has a population roughly around 27,000 in this area. The average income of a single person is about 49.65 with a median income of 75, which isn't too bad, but things aren't not always what you would like them to be or what you think they actually are. Today's topic is about depression that goes along with this particular case. It's not always an easy topic and some people don't like to talk about it or some people don't feel it should be talked about, which why I'll never understand. Understand the part of feeling embarrassed about it because I too suffer, suffer from depression. And when I was first diagnosed, I was embarrassed. Why? I honestly, in my family, it was something that was whispered about, not something that was talked about. Now, if you had a heart attack or if you had some kind of surgery or something like that, my family members would one up each other. But if you had some kind of major disability, it was something that was hidden. It wasn't something that was talked about, but it was a generational thing. It wasn't something that was that was kept in the open. And that's something that I will talk about a little bit later on because I'm sure there might be some of my family members that could listen to this. Some of my family members can understand this. Like for example, my sister and she understand that understand understands this. My mother, she had MS later on in life. However, she would tell stories and I'm saying about my mother that when she, my mother was younger, if she had pro, she had problems eating with a spoon uh, without shaking and this could be that she had very early stages of MS as a young child, but because she couldn't control that shaking, they wouldn't let her out in public. Again, it's a generational thing. As she could control that, she was allowed out in public. Depression was the same thing. If you had it, you didn't talk about it. And people are trying to get people to talk more about this so we can get mental illness to not be such a taboo subject. I'm very open about my depression. It runs in my family. Mine is a, a brain chemical. It's a just a mischarge in my brain. It just, it just, it's a chemical imbalance. It, I have to take medication every day. I cannot go off my medication. And I know that. Uh, that is something that I cannot miss. But I understand why people think they are embarrassed about it. I went through that feeling. I was completely embarrassed about it. But then when I started talking about it and, and I took time off work, people were like, don't be embarrassed about it. I too suffer from this. This is what I take. And I was so surprised about how many people suffer or suffered from depression and how much, you know, how many different types of medications there were for it. 
The other part is, is that finding that right kind of medication. And I have that right kind of medication, but I also had to fight for that medication because the type of medication I take also is used to help smokers to stop smoking. And when it was first used, every six months, I had to fight with the insurance company because even though it was in my medical records saying this is what it's used for, they would say, no, you have to go off of it. Mm, no, sorry, I don't. You're not my doctor. I take this for depression. You are not my doctor. My doctor is telling me I need this. But I'm going to talk about some definitions and an easy list and try to understand that there were a few that I pulled off of a website from Healthline. Please remember that these are for adults only. And this doesn't go into the breakdown for teenagers or even for children. It's estimated that 16.2 million adults in the United States, please just remember, this is just the United States or 6.7% of American adults have had at least one major depressive episode in a given year. One of these is persistent depressive disorder. And what that is, is you may have a single bout of major depression, or you can have recurring episodes. Persistent depressive disorder is a chronic low-level depression that's lower in severity than major depression and lasts or can last two years or longer. Bipolar disorder. This disorder involves the development of a manic or energized mood episodes. Sometimes they may preceded or followed by episodes of depression. And I knew someone like this, and they would go on shopping sprees and then not have money to pay their bills. And it took me a while to understand what was going on. Seasonal depression. This is typically tri triggered by the onset of autumn and lasts throughout the winter and very rarely occurs in summer or spring because of the sunshine and the warmth and things like that. And this is something that's really big here in Erie. And it's very prevalent, obviously, during the winter. The healthcare network around here does yearly workshops or news clips about this because they know that it's coming. They know that people have a very hard time with this. Postpartum depression or the baby blues. It's caused by hormonal changes following baby birth or childbirth, lack of sleep, and the pressures of taking care of a new baby. When these symptoms persist longer than a couple of weeks and severity escalates, it may be a sign of a major depressive disorder with peripartum onset, which is known as postpartum depression. And this I can talk about personally. I had two children with three pregnancies and the changes a woman's body goes through is a lot. Just normal hormones alone is hard, but hormones that you go through or have during a pregnancy and not to mention the changes that your body goes through to accommodate another living person inside of you and the fact that you know, and this is joking, that you don't see your three, your feet for three months or longer, you know, or the fact that somebody moves at you because of the weight that you put on because of your pregnancy. And yes, I've had this conversation with a family member who felt terrible afterwards. And that person made me dinner for weeks afterwards because I have 
and still have body issues. It is hard. It is really, really hard. And the thing of it is, is you don't know it until you're in the midst of having an emotional breakdown and you don't know why until somebody um, comes to you and puts their hand on your shoulder and say, honey, it's okay. It is. It really is. It's okay. Psychotic depression. When major depression or bipolar disorder are accompanied by hallucinations, delusions, or paranoia, it's called a major depressive disorder with psychotic features. And most common symptoms of depression are, and again, I'm not a psychologist, but these are from the Healthline website. Feelings of sadness or emptiness that don't go away within a couple of weeks. Other emotional symptoms include extreme irritability over seemingly minor things, anxiety and restlessness, trouble with anger management, loss of interest in activities, including sex, fixation on the past or things that have gone wrong, thoughts of death or suicide. Normally, I save phone numbers for the prevention hotlines for the end of the episodes. However, I'll be doing them now and at the end of the post, at the end, along with posting them on my Facebook page. Suicide prevention. If you think someone is at immediate risk of self-harm or hurting another person, call 911 or your local emergency number. Stay with the person until help arrives. Remove any guns, knives, medication, or other things that may cause harm. Listen, but don't judge, argue, threaten, or yell. If you or someone you know is considering suicide, get help from a crisis or suicide prevention hotline. The National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255. Please remember, again, I'm not a psychologist. This was listed on the Healthline website. If you feel any of the above symptoms or think that your partner is exhibiting any, please talk to them first. If it, if it is for you, make the appointment. There's nothing wrong with talking about mental health. Now, the causes and risk factors for depression. There's no single cause for depression, for depression or of depression. Brain chemistry, like for in my example, hormones and genetics may all play, play a role. Other risk factors for depression include low self-esteem, anxiety disorder, borderline personality disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder, physical or sexual abuse, chronic diseases like diabetes, multiple sclerosis, or cancer, alcohol or drug use disorders, certain prescription medications, family history of depression, age, gender, race, and geography. Complications of it, prolonged or chronic depression can have a devastating impact on your emotional and physical health. Untreated, it may, it may put your life at risk. Mental Health America reports that 30 to 70% of those who have died by suicide have depression or bipolar disorder. Other complications of depression can lead to alcohol or drug use disorder, headaches and other chronic aches and pains, phobias, panic disorders, and anxiety, attack, anxiety attacks, trouble with school or work, family and re relationship problems, social isolation, excess weight or obesity due to dis eating, 
due to eating disorders, raising the risk for heart, heart disease and type 2 di diabetes, self-mutilation, attempted suicide, or suicide. Now we're going to talk about the case for this week's episode. The first one that happened this past August, so the information is scant. However, the second case is from 2010, and even though it's from 10 years ago, there still isn't much information on it since it was a murder-suicide. The other thing I want to talk about that while I was researching these cases, murder-suicides just for this year alone, there were four. The fifth one that I saw was from 2010, but I didn't go back much further because there wasn't that much information listed for these murder-suicides. I don't know how much of it had to do with what has been going on this year. And I didn't keep listing because I know I was going for the Erie area or the Lake Great Lake region area. There were a few more that were from my hometown region, so I can list up to at least six. So there have been a lot of murder-suicides lately. The case I'm going to talk about is for the Tobin family and the background on the Tobin family. And as I stated before, John Tobin and his father worked together for years. They both had a hand in not just a local area, but national philanthropy. And for much of John's career, he had worked with his father, who since the 1980s had worked as the CFO of the Cleveland Foundation. Both Philip and John had worked together for many years. Then John left in 2018 when he stepped out on his own with another business that had approached him. And according to the article from The Beacon by Amanda Garrett, John had worked as a vice president at the development at the Harrington Discovery Institute at University Hospitals in Cleveland. And this is where physician scientists look at breakthroughs for new drugs. The Harrington family, for which it was named, had given $50 million to create this institute. With John taking this new job, both him and Regina, his wife, decided that it would be good to move from the Harrington area to Shaker Heights after selling their home. The Tobins joined the local country club and both children were getting ready to start private schools in the area. Natalie was a freshman at the Laurel School for Girls and Graham would have been a freshman at Gilmore Academy for Boys. According to an article, it mentioned that Regina herself worked as co-secretary and co-president from 2018 to 2019 of Northeast Ohio Chapter of CISV, Children's International Summer Village, and she was a breast cancer survivor. On the last weekend in August, there was a 911 call from John Tobin's father asking that the police be sent to his son to his son's home for a welfare check. Police and fire dispatch, how may I help you? Yeah, my name is Phil Tobin, I live in Hudson, Ohio. I just got an email from my son that might be sort of dangerous. And I wonder if I could talk to somebody there. Can I read the email to you? Sure, go ahead. Go over and then we'll take it from there, okay? One eight one. Will you call me right will you call me right away? Sir, yes, someone will be in touch with you. We're gonna to respond to one eight one zero zero South Woodland. Okay. Can you tell me yes. what kind of car your son drives? Uh, I think it's a Honda. Uh, what do they call it? RAV? What color? It's, I think it is either dark blue or black. I think it might be black. It and does he usually park it in the drive? Yes. Yes. Okay. 
All right, sir. We're going to send the police over to 18100 South Woodland. They'll be there shortly, okay? Now, will you call me as soon as you get there? Or sir, someone will be in on? contact with you, okay? And if you want me to come down, I'll be glad to come down. Do you think Happy I should come over? Sir, let the police... Do you think I should... Sir... Okay. Let the, okay. Let the police respond over, and then we will be in touch with you. Okay. That's good. Thank you okay, very much. You're Appreciate welcome. So, according to the article by Amanda Cohen, these were not the full versions of the 911 calls. These were edited for the family because it contains certain information. And nor would I play the full versions because I believe that would be too much for the listeners. And as you can hear, Philip Tobin is saying that he had received an email from his son, and it said that, quote, Dear Mom and Dad, when you get this, please call Shaker Police. The address is 18100 South Woodland. And the key is under the mat. It's safe for them to enter. They will know what to do. No words can assassinate the pain I've caused you. Know that it was from love. Forgive me. I love you. Know that we are together forever. Philip Tobin had gone on to say that his son had depression, but he hadn't been treated for it. Also, that his son had lost his job and that his wife, Regina, was recovering from cancer and that their dog had just died. And when the police responded to this request at 2.20 p.m., the police had found no signs of forced entry, but they did find the bodies of Regina. Regina Tobin, 58, John Tobin, 57, and the two children, Natalie and Graham Tobin, both 15. Trigger warning. According to the article, John died of a single gunshot wound, which was determined a suicide. Graham and Regina both died of single gunshot wounds, but Natalie died of strangulation, which is odd. The gunshots were quick and done, but the strangulation took time and effort. There was no exact time to pinpoint how much time it took. I'm not going to go into the exact way that someone dies from strangulation because it is extremely graphic. And I, even though I did give a, a, a trigger warning, my only thing is, is why Natalie for strangulation and gunshot for Regina and Graham? For me, that would not be a way that I would want my family to go out with me. But then again, I was not suffering from extreme depression. That is not, I was not in that frame of mind. I want to re-mention that in the call that Philip mentioned that Regina was recovering from cancer. So how far gone she was, how sick she was, all would determine that in his mind. For the children, Natalie had served as a U.S. delegate in the CISV village program in Porvu, Finland and Graham had served in the U.S. delegate to the Family Interchange Program through the CISV Village Program in Linz, Austria. So they were both very active in their community. Both of the schools for the children released statements stating their grief about the tragedy of the loss over the children. And the university hospitals issued this statement, quote, John Tobin was vice president of development in the Harrington Discovery Institute at university hospitals. We are saddened by this tragic event and have offered counseling to those who have worked with him. Please keep in mind that the article, according to this article, at this point, the Tobins 
were only living at this home for a little over a year. And in that amount of time, the mother was recovering from cancer. And like I said, I'm not sure for how long. John lost his job earlier this year and their beloved pet had died by breaking its back from jumping or trying to jump a culvert. Now, if they watched this while it happened, no, I don't know. It just said that the pet had died this way. So that's a particular horrible way for a pet to go. But here's the question. How long had John been suffering in silence? Did anybody see these signs? Or was he able to hide it? And here's the other question. Was it this reason that he lost his job? Was he not able to hide his depression and it caused him to lose his job? These are big questions and no one will know because the only person who could answer it was is John. Now, I'm going to leave that for you to ponder and then I'm going to move on into the next case. In November of 2010, a woman named Jamie Malinowski made a huge life decision. She wasn't married, but she did have, she had three children with Brian Dacus, and Jamie had decided that she was going to go a different route with her life. On November 9th of that year, Jamie posted on her Facebook page about her decision and had wondered if it was the right thing to do. Jamie had met someone new and had just broken off her relationship with the father of her children the week prior. However, Jamie, according to an article from the Titusville Herald on Jamie's page, she wrote, quote, I left him on Saturday, meaning Brian, I truly believe that he can change and want to give him a chance, but now I have someone else's feelings involved and I really do like this guy. He has accepted me with the kids and wants to take care of me and give me everything, end quote. Well, Jamie had also told friends that she was, quote, miserable in her relationship and that, she, and that quote, he didn't do anything for me or the kids. He's lazy. End quote. Now, I want to emphasize that these are not my words, that these are what I found during research, nor do I want to bring up bad memories, and, and I get that, that it's kind of hard. Please remember that people use Facebook to vent and do not realize that when they, what they say on that particular platform does indeed make it back to the person that they are speaking about. Jamie went on to tell her friends about an additional, quote, problem, meaning the new person. Quote, I'm going crazy trying to decide either way, end quote. She wrote on Facebook, someone is going to get hurt. Then later on, Jamie would go on to post about her upcoming busy day and that she hoped it would, quote, keep my mind off of what was going on in my life right now, end quote. On the day that Jamie was killed, her last post on her Facebook page read, quote, picking my babies up after work and going to Chuck E. Cheese. Can't wait to spend some time with them. Sure have been going crazy without them, end quote. Now, Jamie lived close, close enough to her job that she was able to walk to work and was able to stop back home and check on her children during the day, which is what she did on the, the day that she died. Jamie went to the store and had decided to go to the apartment and check on the kids, which she would have been picking up that later on that day. And when Jamie didn't return from her break, two of her co-workers went to the apartment and found the bodies. 
of her and her children. And according to the article from the Baltimore Sun, quote, she was shot when she got there. We don't know if he killed had already killed the daughters and shot the son, and this was from District Attorney Jack Denary. The bodies of the two girls were at the kitchen table, and the bodies of the couple were in the same room, Denary said. The two-year-old had been in the living room watching cartoons and had only suffered a wound to his ear. And that was according to an Erie News Now article. <laughs> according to another article, neighbors had heard reported hearing shots around 9 a.m. and then approximately an hour later, and then the bodies had been found around 11 a.m. And I must add that in the earlier days of this breakup, Dacus did check himself into St. Vincent Healthcare Center in Erie on a mental health com commitment on, on November 7, 2010. And this was a statement that was made by one of his family members. So no one will ever know if the two of them would have been able to have work, work out their differences. And there's no words to express the sadness that I feel for both of their families. Mental health is a serious issue in this country. And does need to be addressed. This is something that needs to be addressed by everyone and not used as something for a political party or to be used as a standing piece. Mental health affects all people from all walks of life and knows no political party. People need to be trained on how to handle those who have mental health issues. However, people who choose to treat themselves and their mental illness with street drugs make it harder for family and professionals to help them, especially when they're having an episode. Now, I want to talk to you about mental illness and serial killers, which makes a deadly combination. David Berkowitz who was known as the son of Sam, had a borderline personality disorder, which made him impulsive and self-injurious. They have an unstable pattern interacting with others, and he had a recurrent suicidal attempt, which he was very unstable. Another serial killer, Jeffrey Dahmer, he had schizophrenia, and there's several different types of schizophrenia, but Jeffrey Dahmer, was also a sexual psychopath. One other one that I'm going to list is Richard Chase. He was diagnosed as paranoid schizophrenic. Now Chase killed six people and drank their blood. That gave him the nickname, the Vamp Vampire of Sacramento, which I'm actually going to do an episode on him for October. But that being said, these are just a couple that I wanted to point out during this episode. And the reason being is, could these men have been stopped if they had been helped as children or as young adults? Because early intervention is always a key to any type of illness. And could they have made a difference to either of them? Or would we have found out that they didn't want help, which you do find in some individuals. That being said, because there are some people who live on the street that don't want help and they they go in, they get treated, they come back out, they go back out on the street. It is a vicious cycle. Not everybody, but some. With that being said, mental illness is not a stigma. Having mental illness is not something to also to push something off onto somebody, but it's also not something to be lighthearted about. Oh, it's all in your head. Just shake it off. No, you can't just shake it off. If you could just shake it off, you would have shaken it off years ago. Trust me, I would have if I could have, but I can't. It is something to take serious. 
and to be serious about. However, if somebody comes to you and says, I'm going to do this, or if they're making, dropping hints about, you know, I'm in a dark place, or I'm, you know, somebody that's usually outgoing, all of a sudden, you know, is just not themselves. Take note of that. There's reasons behind that. You know, whether they lost a job or, you know, there's, you know, significant other left them or whatever reason. It's serious to take note of. So that's where we're going to leave this episode today. If you enjoyed this episode and this is your first time listening and you would like to hear more, please go to these platforms podbean.com, Spotify, iTunes, at All Things Erie from Erie PA. That's Erie with three E's. I'm also available on Twitter and Instagram at K-A-T-H-Y-B-R-D-L-Y. Please, if you have questions or comments, go to Facebook at All Things Erie from Erie PA or Twitter or Instagram at K-A-T-H-Y-B-R-D-L-Y. Mental health is a serious issue in our country and please If you know someone who is experiencing any of the symptoms of depression or having thoughts of suicide, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. It's open 24-7 at 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. All the source information will be posted on my Facebook page along with the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. So please stay safe, stay stay healthy. This is Kathy signing off.